0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Enter the Bible podcast. Uh, I'm Catherine Schifferdecker. And I'm Katie Langston. And today we have as our guest uh, uh, contributor and speaker, uh, Professor uh, Amy Jill Levine, uh, who is the Rabbi Stanley Kessler Distinguished Professor of New Testament and Jewish Studies at the Hartford International University for Religion and Peace. Uh, She is also University Professor of New Testament and Jewish Studies Emerita, Mary Jane Worthen Professor of Jewish Studies Emerita and Professor of New Testament Studies Emerita all at Vanderbilt University uh, in Nashville. So, uh, and and, uh, uh, Amy Jell, AJ, as she goes by, is uh, also the author of many, uh, many works, many books. Uh, One we'd like to highlight, particularly for this podcast episode is a book called Short Stories by Jesus, The Enigmatic Parables of a Controversial Rabbi. Uh, So uh, a book on the parables of Jesus published by Harper One. So thank you again for joining us, AJ. We're so happy to have you here. I'm delighted to be with you. So um, the question that we have for you today
1: um, sort of comes out of a lot of uh, Christian teaching and preaching, um, certainly that I hear. And I'm imagining that, um, that others would relate to it, which is sort of you know there seems to be an emphasis in a lot of um sermons and things like that about the outcast and the marginalized um uh and the and the duty to um you know to um how how we ought to relate to such folks and the question is like who are they in the in the scripture, in the New Testament, who are the the so called marginalized and and outcast? After all, so
2: yeah, it's a great question because people drop those. They terms do. As it's if everybody, like everybody
1: must know when we say marginalized and outcast, but like
2: they, right, and then and then people in the church feel so much better because like we don't marginalize and we don't cast people we're out. Not that. We're, we're right. totally inclusive of everyone, right? right? Um, so. What, what terms like marginal and outcast do is they set up a, a false image of what Jesus' first century Jewish context hmm. is by creating people who get labeled marginal and outcast, and then Jesus becomes the one who welcomes them. Right, in. yes.
0: So it's bad, it. yes. it's
2: bad, and it doesn't actually do anything yep. other than make people in the congregation feel complacent or think, oh, well, thank God we're not like those yeah. Jews. Right. So, you know, in, in interpretation of parables, for example, when Jesus tells a parable about... Um, uh, a woman who hides yeast and dough—it's mm-hmm. um, coming up, lectionary yeah. in the next couple of weeks—or mm-hmm. um, uh, a, a woman who searches for her lost coin. Yeah. Right? They're, oh well, women were marginalized and outcast, and by telling stories about women, uh, Jesus is bringing them back to their full authenticity as co-equal with men. Uh, Ju- Judaism, in turn, is kind of comparable to the Taliban. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, right? No, right? For my students. Oh, so, you know, if I go to my text, I have a books like uh, Esther and Ruth, and then there's this nice book called Judith in, in the Deuterocanonical literature, and we have lots of rabbinic stories about women, so, you know, how are they marginal and outcast? right, uh, and what is Jesus doing to make them less marginal and outcast? because if you were really interested in that, they would be among the twelve, and they're not, right, um, or... oh. Eh. That children are marginal and outcasts. And when Jesus says, you know, welcome the little children, that Jews looked at children as like little nothings mm. or little nobodies. Mm. No, I mean, kids are really, really important, which is why all these, you know, desperately infertile couples are trying to have babies right. and they care right. about babies. And this thing in the Roman Empire, even daughters were super important. So what we see is this artificial model um, where that, um, uh, children if they disobey their parents would have been thrown out so in the parable of, that's usually called the prodigal son that we would we would have expected we jews that the dad would have been stern and wrathful and saying okay young man you know go work for the next 30 years and then we'll see if you can come to dinner and then they get surprised that daddy is generous as opposed to "No, daddy's a dad it was typical jewish dad my kids home i'm delighted <laughs> um, or, or Gentiles are marginal and outcast, right? No, they're running the empire. Mm. So, um, or sick people are marginal and outcast. And it turns out that the vast majority of people who are disabled or ill in the Gospels are embedded in either kinship groups or friendship groups. Uh, the guy who's paralyzed um, isn't outcast. He's incast when they open up a roof to let right, him right. in. Right, mm-hmm. um, that's, right. That's incasting. Um, nor did Jews generally uh, equate uh, forms of disability with forms of sin. I mean, the major place where people get that is John chapter 9. Hello in a New Testament text um, where the disciples say, who sinned this guy or his parents, that mm-hmm. he was born blind. It's kind of weird um, when you have blind people um, or sight-impaired people in the scriptures of Israel, like Isaac's blind, um, but not because he's sinful because he's like old and probably has macular degeneration. So to to try to get away from this bad Jew and then all inclusive Jesus, as opposed to say, Jesus is marvelously inclusive, but that's part of his tradition Mm -hmm. rather than something radical over against it. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I hear that Jesus is doing something radical, um, it's something that's, that's a cheap grace sort of model for the church and it's a misreading of early Jesus. And the really radical stuff about Jesus is like, sell all you have and give to the poor. That's pretty that's radical. radical stuff. Or hate, hate, hate mummy and daddy and kids and leave your wife. That's radical. Or you will see the son of man coming on clouds to judge people. And that's me. That's radical. Right. Not let's heal people. That's, that's not radical. That's, that's just grace.
0: Well, I think about, for instance, the the uh, you know the greatest commandment too, right? When Jesus is asked, "What's the greatest commandment?" He quotes Leviticus and Deuteronomy, right? right. First Leviticus Deuteronomy not- and
2: then Leviticus. Deuteronomy six. Yeah. Right. And then my students say he comes up with love of God and love of neighbor. How original! And Is it? He doesn't have to be original in order to be profound. Right. And he doesn't have to be yanked out of his Jewish context in order to be meaningful to people who are in the churches. Look, so I'm I'm not a believer in Jesus as Lord and Savior. I mean, I think he was really smart. He was a brilliant teacher, um, and I can see all sorts of wonderful things about him. And I don't need to make Judaism look bad in order to do that. So I don't see why Christians need to do that. Right.
0: I've had uh, so I I teach uh, Hebrew Bible, Old Testament, and I've had well-meaning students. You know dealing with the difficult texts like you know the uh, uh, wanting to destroy the Amalekites or you know the 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 wars uh in uh the Pentateuch or the Torah, they'll say something like, well, you know that was then and this is now or that was the God of the old testament and but I'm so glad we have Jesus kind of thing um and i I know that I I always respond look the god of the old testament there is only one god right it's not uh, god doesn't change um but how 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 would you respond to that AJ
2: um there's a scholar named Eve Murdoch who actually produced this this worksheet on if you think it's old testament god of wrath versus new testament god of love let me show you the verses yeah, yeah like, right, oh, right, right 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 yeah. exactly um when I get some of that junk from my students, I'm just inclined to say, fine, the Lord is my shepherd who leads me beside still waters and restores my soul. But you are condemned to the outer darkness where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth, right? I have, <laughs> have a sadistic dentist. Um, <laughs> You, know, you, you think the flood was bad? Have a look at the Book of <laughs> Revelation, yeah, which yeah, makes it sure. like a walk in the park. Yeah. Um, or Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, Jesus pronounces woes in, against entire cities. Mm-hmm. Woe to you, Capernaum! Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! Not because they were doing bad things, but because they didn't believe in Him. Right. Which is not something that they actually have a choice about, because cho- belief is not something you choose. Belief is like love. You know, it's that either happens. there or it's not there. You don't do a cost-benefit analysis right. on it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it's the same God. And when people come up with these God of wrath versus God of love stuff, it shows complete ignorance of the Bible, complete ignorance of the Bible. Um, It's Marcionism. It's a heresy. Um, So it's theologically unhelpful. And for some reason, those stereotypes just keep coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And and I I think you hit the nail on the head when you you were talking earlier about, you know, uh, Christians who... Want Jesus to be radically inclusive and loving, and all of that, and by 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 doing so in the way that you're saying, by you know, contrasting him to the Jews or the Pharisees or the Sadducees or whoever, they are inadvertently uh, being very exclusive and condemning, uh, you know, in the process. Uh, yeah, let well, alone being
2: historically yeah. inaccurate. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true well, if if you don't mind, could you could you say a word about uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Maybe just provide a little bit of historical context of those, and and how are they? How do we? I think that Jesus is closer to a Pharisee than uh, than most uh, you know preachers would uh, would would think about. Right? If you think about the different Jewish groups and sects, including the ones at Qumran, you know, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered. Um, What does, how does Jesus fit into that, into those groups
2: of the first century? Well, the only reason we spend all this time talking about Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, and Zealots is because Josephus, the first century historian, Mm. did. Uh, He's talking about, you know, at most eight to 10% of the population. Um, And what he does, if you actually read Josephus, which none of these people do, is to say, well, the Pharisees are like the Stoics and the Sadducees are like the Epicureans and the Essenes are like the Pythagoreans, like mystical math- mathematicians. And the Zealous are kind of like Pharisees with knives. Um, so <laughs> it's a very, small group of people. So to try to fit Jesus into that mix would be like saying, well, everybody in the United States is either a member of the Moose, the Elk, the Knights of Columbus, or the B'nai B'rith. Um, <laughs> which was which people, one was it? Jesus? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he's closer to the Sadducees on divorce legislation where he says don't get divorced. There's a Methian loophole, but it's basically don't get divorced. Mm -hmm. Um, He's closer to Pharisees on, on things like resurrection and, and action. Um, He's closer to the Sadducees in terms of not washing your hands before you eat. uh, Because what the Pharisees were trying to do is extend priestly privileges that you would have in the temple out to everybody. Following Exodus, you're all supposed to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Mm-hmm. Um, language that first First Peter in the New Testament picks up. In 2017, there was a major conference um, uh, at the Pontifical Gregorian Institute in Rome on the Pharisees. So a big international conference. Uh, the proceeds from that conference were published by Erdmans in 2021. I think it's 2021. Um, I'm the co-editor along with Joseph Severs, who's a priest in Rome. Uh, We're right now working on a German translation of that. And then Joseph and I just signed a new contract with Erdmanns to do a less academic, more popular version Mm -hmm. uh, with a focus on how to preach texts about the Pharisees, Mm -hmm. like the woe to you and Pharisees in Matthew, for example, or the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Who are they? They're a lay-led group. Uh, They're interested in uh, extending priestly privilege. They're interested in making things easier rather than harder. So they're the liberalizers. Mm. Uh, The Dead Sea Scrolls refer to them as seekers after smooth things. They just make things a little bit too easy. Um, Jesus roughens them up a little bit. Like, you know, Jesus says uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, don't murder. I say, don't be angry. All right. That's kind of making it more rigorous rather than harder. Right. Um, The Pharisees are interested in, in how you figure out how to sanctify daily life. So you do pay attention to what you wear and what you eat and how you prepare food. Um, Those concerns that they have, which are shared by general people, we know that archeologically with like chalkstone vessels, which are all throughout Galilee, or mikvah ritual baths, which are all throughout lower Galilee. They're also a wonderful uh, form of anti-assimilationist practice. Mm -hmm. When you get Rome coming in and Rome wants every, and before that Greece where they wanted everybody to be like good Greeks or good Romans, by having these particular Pharisaic teachings, that people are able to assert their own identity over against the broader imperial concern. Today, we would call that multiculturalism, mm-hmm. right? And they're interested in adapting. So they're not what strict constructionists, to use the contemporary American term, they're saying, how do we understand this text in our own life? Uh, and they're interested in debating, which is in part why they debate with Jesus, because that's what Jews do, right? You want to figure out, how to do what God wants. You have to have a conversation about it because Torah doesn't come with an instruction manual. How do you honor the Sabbath and keep it holy? Those are good questions. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Hmm. And am I right in saying that rabbinic Judaism owes more to to the Pharisees than it's kind of descended from the Pharisees or is that too much of a generalization?
2: Uh, there's strong connection between them. Yeah. Um, there are differences, but the stuff that the stuff that interests the rabbis is stuff that looks like it interests the Pharisees Yeah, um, in terms of Sabbath observance and purity concerns and ritual washings. Um, Back then Pharisees, Josephus, who's this first century historian, he thinks the Pharisees are kind of uppity because he, he's a priest, Josephus, and priesthood in Judaism is inherited. Like if your dad's a priest, you're a priest. Right. And Josephus thinks people ought to be listening to the priest because they're the inherited class. Right. And, and instead, they're listening to this lay group. You know, they to use the British term, they've up jumped. They've gotten ahead of their station. <laughs> um, when Paul talks about his his own biography in Philippians, he says, as to law, Pharisee, and under the law, blameless, amemptos, um, He's trotting that out because that's really important. Because if he says, if I give it all up, it's all scuvula. It's all crap, um, you know. In order for Jesus, well, if you give up something that's worth nothing, then it doesn't matter. Right. So even Paul is saying, look, this is really important. And when Paul um, has his road to Damascus experience, he doesn't stop being a Pharisee. He just becomes a Pharisee who believes the Messiah right, has come. Exactly. I noticed right? he doesn't give up. He doesn't give up being a Pharisee. That,
1: right. that was something that that is so uh, in my own history i i came out of mormonism um which is its its own little journey there but um you know uh something that there's a it's not analogous but there is a way in which there is an entire culture and way of being (laughs) as a mormon that is i think distinct from let's say um you know gentiles yeah exactly then the right which which mormons use that term bless their hearts uh, they appropriate that um and one of the things that was very um moving for me coming out of mormonism was reading in acts when paul still paul would go to temple right when he would go to the temple mm-hmm. when he was in jerusalem and there was a, a part of him that well, he was always Jewish, right? He he didn't un-Jew himself, right? And there was a sense where I related to that as someone who comes out of a a, a tradition that is is distinct. Um, again, not in the same ways, but it's there's a little bit of a there's something there that 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 resonates a little bit with you know we're much younger Mormons are much younger whatever, but there was a sense where I was like, yeah, like I'm always. There's always a, like a. I'm just. I'm a Mormon, right? I grew up in Utah. I like that's the. There was something about that that I found really moving and beautiful. Um, and that 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 it doesn't have to be like a a a rejection of one's identity, right? Um, and and Paul, you don't Paul's see not, Paul doing that. You don't see any of the early Christians doing that.
2: Right, and when Paul, who never uses the word Christian as, as a right. self-crediting, yeah. uh when he's talking about don't follow the law, he's not talking to Jews. Correct. He's the apostle to the exactly. Gentiles. Exactly. He's Let's saying that, that to Israel. the
1: Gentiles. Exactly.
2: Right. And saying the Gentiles, no, I don't want you converting to Judaism because if you did, the only people who would be worshiping God would be Jews. But this this messianic age that we now seem to be in uh, says that Jews and Gentiles together worship the God of right. Israel. The Gentiles come the, as the, Paula Fredericks and my friend, as ex-pagan pagans. And the Jews are just Jews, but they're now Jews with a Messiah. Right. right.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that I think I, and we don't I, I just I get I, I do get uh frustrated with um with 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 my fellow Christians who who don't seem to get that, you know? Like when I preach uh on on, uh, on the Old Testament or the or the Hebrew Bible and the the New Testament whatever, I, I always try to call it back and say, "Look, it's not it's not they, you know, we're you know it's not like a it's not supersessionism right it's jesus was a jew paul was a jew that romans is clear we're grafted into the you know our 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 belief is that we're grafted into the promises god made to israel we're, we're not we owe everything right to to the so to gentile Christ,
0: yeah so yeah. gentile christians need to be humble exactly need to have humility yeah and not say well, that's what paul says,
2: yeah. but it's not like everybody listens to paul all the time either. right
0: <laughs> that's fair <enough.
1: laughs>
2: yeah right that's romans don't be boasting in your position yeah, right. exactly you right upon them but, sure right i, I do think christianity is supersessionist. So i just think you can be nice about it <laughs> i mean i think yeah i think all religions are supersessionists sure. because if you were be you, right? So you're you're coming off of something, and then and then you think you're you're different than, or have improved on something else. But um, there's a theologian in Canada named David Novak who talks about hard supersessionism and soft supersessionism. Hmm. So soft supersessionism said we, we, we kind of got the right path here, but there's a lot of value in what you have also. Hmm. Um, and I think most traditions do that. Um, hard supersessionism is we've got everything, and you're screwed. Which other traditions will do, and I don't find that terribly helpful. Yeah. So if I go to the Mishnah, uh, the the rabbinic sources completely write out the Sadducees. Mm-hmm. You know, all Israel has a share in the world to come, except those who deny resurrection of the dead. Okay, bye bye Sadducees, you're out. Because um, you know, the, the rabbis were the historical winners, and you just write out the other people. Um, so everybody's supersessionist to one degree or another. Yeah. Um, the reason you can have ECLA is because there are other Lutherans who didn't go in that That's direction, right. ELCA. Yeah, there exactly. are other Lutherans who didn't go in, in that direction and, and there's, there's super over you and, and work that out when, you know, when the Messiah comes or comes back. That's, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's, That's right. I love
0: that. So back to this a fascinating conversation. Uh, to come back to the the original question, who are the marginal and the outcast? It, 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 Jesus, in his answer to that, in his uh, is is very much steeped in Jewish tradition, and Jewish law, and Jewish thought. Can you say just a a bit more, AJ, about who, who um, what what does Jewish tradition say about that? The treatment of those folks, whoever they are, uh, yeah. Well, it's the the, the yeah. orphan and the widow and the foreigner, right? Uh, the, are, the poor, the widow,
2: the orphan, and the stranger. Yeah, um, and and those are the typical models that you find in Torah. But then you have to be careful as well because not all widows are poor. Right. Um, so like Judith is doing really quite well. Yeah. Um, so um, and, and um, not all strangers are um, are or in in a fully marginalized position either. Um, although they might be strangers like migrant right. or, or somebody without your own people. So you're living in somebody else's land. Um, so I want to get, I want to get around la- language of marginal and outcast because it doesn't mean anything. Cause then you look at your church and say, well, who are the marginal and outcasts here? Well, they're here. So they're obviously neither marginal nor outcast. Mm-hmm. but say, um, if there are people who are sick, you need to go visit them. If there are people yeah. who are poor, you need to provide them some sense of, um, if there are people who have no family, you need to provide them. That's that's the stranger. You need to, you need to treat them like a citizen among you because you knew what it was like in Egypt when you were a stranger there. Um, and I find rephrasing away from these labels, mm-hmm. which are just, um, to a more focused, here are people who need your help and here's what you can do. Uh, and it may turn out that you, although um in a you know well educated or upper middle class or whatever may find yourself also in need because that doesn't that economic status or social status doesn't prevent depression and from going away. It 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 it's not a guard against loneliness. Um it it's not a it's not a guard against finding that you have no meaning in your own life and you feel empty. Um so change the labels to say reaching out to people who need to need that touch, uh people who need that recognition. Mm-hmm. Um and because we're all in the image and likeness of God, uh, we can't think of ourselves as better than anybody else because we all go back to the same parent. Um uh we are all in this together. We are our brothers and sisters keepers. So moving away from from the buzzwords and actually doing the justice work that's that the Bible requires. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really helpful. Yeah, that is. Thank you. Thank you for that response. That's helpful.
2: Yeah. And my mother, who was a widow, um, really resented the idea of the poor, the widow, the orphan, uh, and the Yeah. Excuse me, You're stereotyping. Hmm. me. Yeah. Um, and assuming that I, as a member of, you know, one of these other classes can't do anything to help, right? So you have the givers and the receivers as opposed to everybody being in it together. Right. And I remember my mother talking about this and saying, that's right that's right yeah so yeah
1: yeah yeah good yeah we're all we're all both givers and receivers right in a in a healthy community should and be. from you know it, by the grace of god so yeah
2: should be and then, and then by the way when you have people who really are on that kind of outcast list yeah. parolees sure people in prison yes right yeah that's where you might want to do a little bit more work yeah. And that's why Jesus is really good because he says, "I was, you know, I was in prison, and you visited me." Or people in the scriptures of Israel who were imprisoned, like Joseph yep. or mm. yeah. I could work with that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That list in Matthew twenty-five uh, would be a good place to start. Mm. That's helpful. I was hungry. I was in prison. I was naked. Yeah, those those are uh, the the folks who. Uh, going outside of stereotypes or
2: um, right those are the better categories yeah yeah somebody with food instability right. yeah somebody yeah. in prison yeah absolutely yeah somebody who needs a winter coat and doesn't have one right. yes right. right 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 yep more helpful than marginal and outcast yeah, much more
1: more specific as well well this was uh oh did you have something else Catherine? no, no. okay <laughs> This was a a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, AJ, for being here with us. Um, We appreciate it so much. Uh, And thank you to our listeners and those of you who are watching on YouTube uh, for being with us on this episode of the Enter the Bible podcast. You can get more great conversations, uh, commentaries, resources, maps, timelines, all kinds of stuff at enterthebible.org. And wherever you are consuming this podcast, whether it's on uh, your favorite podcast podcast, Uh, app or on YouTube or whatever, be sure to like and subscribe and share this uh, podcast with your friends. Uh, We will see you next time.